0: Same thing goes for for the women's uh, for the women, you know, I don't think there's anybody in the the women also um, that that is up there, uh, at least not in the juniors and under 23. So. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I I think the future looks orange. The future of cyclocross looks orange.
1: Thanks for joining us here at the MOVE podcast. We're going to jump in today and cover the 2024 2024 World Cyclocross Championships, all right? I'm JB Hager, and more importantly, we are joined by Spencer Martin, who you might know from the Beyond the Peloton podcast, and then of course, Johan Berniel, who's on every show we could possibly make here at (laughs) WeDo. Uh, and, uh, his record speaks for himself as a bike racer and as a director. Uh, but we're going to get into it today. This is going to be really fun. I, you know, a lot of us, I think a lot of our fan base are a lot like me where, um, we have just really learned about cyclocross because when you have big stars like, you know, Vanderpool and Van Art in recent years and Pidcock in there, Us roadie fans are taking a real big interest, but man, there are a lot of specialists in there taking on, on this uh, race. We'll get into all of that in just a minute. And, it, and it's there's some good storylines there for you. But first, I want to tell you about a couple of our partners. And, and you know, I don't know how you are, where you live, but, man, in, in Austin, Texas, one day it's indoor season, the next day it's outdoor season. Uh, and so we're fortunate we can get together, uh, even just us and our, our We Do Club, over 1,500 members. We get together a couple times a week for um, We Do Wednesday or Suffer Sunday. It's a really cool community. Get the training in. I find when the, when you have that training set up in your pain cave at home, there's no excuses. You're like, I can jump on there for 20 minutes, at least 30 minutes. Come on. Uh, and if you don't have a setup, check out the Zwift's smart trainer, the Zwift Hub. Uh, it's now better than ever. And for $5.99, not only do you get a smart trainer with the pre-installed cassette of your choice, no fuss setup, and one year Zwift, but you also get free shipping when you enter Zwift Hub at checkout. Go to Zwift.com to grab your Zwift Hub and don't forget that code, Zwift Hub, for free shipping. Another one of our newer partners that I'm excited to tell you about, and I've been telling you, if you haven't cleaned out your garage with bikes before they get too old and lose value, you can get a hold of Bicycle and get them listed online right? Maybe sell two or three of your old bikes and buy a brand new one. And you can also buy that through Bicycle. Uh, they go through it. They vet the bikes. They they rank them. They grade them. It's really cool. Their interface online at Bicycle, B-U-Y-C-Y-C-L-E. It's, it's super easy. You can go in, pick the, uh, if you're shopping, you can pick the discipline of bike you want, plug in the size, plug in whether you want electronic or mechanical, what certain components you want, and then it'll do a search for it and Chances are, it's going to pull up the exact bike you've always wanted at a much lower price than a new one. There are over twenty thousand pre-owned bike listings right now in thirty countries, and as I mentioned just a minute ago, if you have stuff sitting out in your in your garage, I've learned the hard way: if you sit on it too long, it it is worth so little it's embarrassing to try to sell it. But if you (laughs) sell it at the right time hey you can get that money and roll it into what you need and what you want so go to b B b-u-y-c-y-c-l-e buy cycle enter the code we do 24 and we'll remove a seller fee when selling your bike all right guys let's jump into this uh you know all i saw were was a parade of orange and baby blue (laughs) <laughs> As I watched the cycle Cross world championships, if you're not from one of two countries, you got to just sit there and shake your head sometimes with cross world. So let's, let's jump right in to, and I hate to disappoint people because there were no surprises. You know, we saw Vanderpool dominate all season. This was a goal of his. He took the lead from the beginning and controlled a very, very muddy race where things could have gone wrong. But uh, let's start with you, Jan. What was your takeaway? Probably no surprises whatsoever.
0: Well, you know, we could basically, you know, resume this podcast. Okay. Mathieu van der Poel (laughs) won another race, right? Um, He, uh, I mean, of course he won the world championships. Everybody was expecting it. So it was a bit of a boring race, uh, at least for first place and even second place. Um, But yeah, I mean you still have to do it you know this is the sixth time he is world champion elite you know plus then a few other uh, world championship titles uh, in the, in the juniors and the under 23 i guess so um sixth time he wins um 9 years after his first world championships uh title uh 2015 at the same place in tabor Czech republic mm-hmm. same course um he uh he wins again um, as we said, you know, no surprise, he did 14 races this year. He won 13 of them. Uh, one of them, he didn't win because he crashed out in, in Benidorm. We, we talked about that a bit on another podcast, but, um, still, you know, I mean, it's, 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 it's just, I mean, I'm in awe to see how strong these guys are and a guy like Vanderpool. People can say, okay, it's boring. You know, it's, it's easy. I mean, it's never easy. Uh, you have to deal with the pressure. Um, he was from the gun out of the starting blocks after one meter, he was in first position. He's not been off the front, you know, at the beginning he was five to 10 seconds ahead of, of the second guy. And from then on, he just kept going, but you know, they're going really fast. And, and if I look at his race, I mean, he made no mistakes, which is, which is crazy, you know, on a hard course, mud slippery, um, the, the, to me, what's really important Aggressive is, is the way he sits on his bike and the way he has everything under control. It, it's it's crazy. I don't I don't know what you think, Spencer.
2: Yeah, no, I was dumb enough that I woke up this morning thinking, wow, well, we don't know what's gonna happen. No, anything <laughs> could happen. Let's <laughs> turn it on, you know. Who knows? This is why they do the race. And then just seeing him at the start line, you're like, Oh, he's gonna win. Like he just physically looks so big compared to everybody else. And then this, the the gun goes and I think Johan, you said in the pre-show he led from meter one. Like ex- it was exactly that. He just like went was immediately leading. He went out of the gate so fast, and yeah, just the way he sits on the bike. It looked, it you, you could probably be mistaken for thinking the course looked easy, but it was just like that sticky, sticky mud, mm-hmm. and the amount of power that he puts out, and I guess the amount of stability he has, like the fact that he's able to put out so much power, be so stable on the bike just consistently for an hour. I mean, it made him, unbeat- it was as close to unbeatable as I've ever seen anyone on, on any type of course. Like it was never, it was hard to even fathom it ever being in doubt. Like he, he just, I was thinking, well, what, what could cause him to lose this? Like his chain breaking, but I don't even know if that would have like, that would have done it. Like maybe kidnapped if he was just stolen <laughs> mid race, like that would have stopped it. I, and that was about
1: it. Yeah. I, I, I would love to have you guys expand on it a little bit because, you know, Most of us who've maybe raced a a bit here or there have never done cross. Like your heart rate is pinged the whole time, which is going to lend itself to making more mistakes. You throw in the mud, you throw in all that, you know, all that moving around that makes it even more remarkable. Plus, even though we all know Vanderpool is is a freak talent, he's up against specialists. Exactly. This is what they do. That's their job.
0: I mean, yeah. number, two, number two and number three, uh, they're, they're, I mean, and number four, <laughs> they're all pure cyclocross riders, cyclocross professionals. Um, whatever Van der Poel is not there, they're the best in the world. And, and the way he rides, I mean, I, I wrote down in my notes here, I said, everything under control. This looked like just a sub-maximum training ride. For <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I wonder, I would be curious to see his, his, his heart rate, uh, you know, it, it, because it really looks like he's, he's so in control. I mean, of course it's, it is an intensive effort, but he's not as his maximum. That's, that's, that's the sad part for
1: everybody else. He is not as he's, once he has the gap, he cruises. He has I've it. noticed that he had about a 42nd gap. And are are they wearing radios or do they get cue cards or they get told when at the bike? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he, he knew, it seems like he was managing a 42nd gap and if he wanted to make that bigger, I felt like he could have, but he also was trying to not make a simple mistake like he did in that one race he lost.
0: Yeah. 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 No, it's, 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 it's astonishing really how, um, how he has this under control. Um, must be amazingly disappointing for for everybody else but yeah you know you're up against a big champion and you've seen we've seen clearly you know the the guy who got second this was this was for everybody else this this was a race okay who can be the best of the rest right and uh and I think that it's the way uh Joris Niebenhaus from uh the Netherlands celebrated his second place I think speaks for itself he came in like he won the race. I think this was the goal for everybody, right? Okay, who could yeah. be second?
2: Well, do you see what happened? We were talking about it being a sub maximal effort. This Belgian rider, Niels Venderpoot, went yeah. went out really well, like right on, like just tried to challenge Vanderpol. It looked like JB. Someone was out at Lake Austin, and they're like on an inner tube behind a boat, and the boats. Turning around and this guy's just like getting whipped around like the way Vanderpool was going to the corners. He was so controlled and this poor Belgian on his wheel was just like you could just tell he was dying dying to hold the wheel. And then he fell apart, you know halfway through the race finished 13th and it shows you like what happens if you do try to race for the win against him as opposed to just racing assuming second place is the win race for that that's all you can yeah. do really unless you're you know this was so different from last year's I, I found myself missing last year's world championship in the middle of this race a lot of people didn't like that course because it was so fast it was really fast but it gave us the illusion that someone could beat Vanderpool because it was you know if you looked at the heart rate data it was probably actually a lot lower last year because there was bunching and it was almost like a crit on dirt um, this was just a pure test of how much power can you put out through mud for one hour.
0: Well, that's that's what really ha- su- has surprised me about Van der Poel. And you know, I saw it from the first the first race. I remember seeing him appear in his first cyclocross race this year. I think that we're going to see a Van der Poel on another level on the road. Also, to me, he just looks so much stronger. I mean, his
1: upper legs are incredibly strong. Maybe the back injury is finally healed from the Olympic tumble. That. You know, that that nagged him for quite a while. Yeah. 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 But you know, I mean I I I mean, I've seen him on TV.
0: I've also seen him in real life. I mean, the way he looks, it's scary. It's really scary
1: how strong he looks. What, um, uh, so- Johan, what is the record for most cycle cross world championships? Right in professional, uh, it's a seven. Uh, There's
0: one one rider, a Belgian guy named Eric De Vlaming, who has won it seven times. Um, Vanderpool has said already because, of course, on Belgian TV they've asked him many times already about the record. Right, and uh, of course he says he's not interested. I think at this point it it doesn't really matter to him because, let's face it, for him, this is this is a hobby, right? This is a hobby that entertains him in the off season before he gets ready for, <laughs> for the, for the classics. Um, but yeah, Eric de Vlaminck was an amazing, uh, an amazing cyclist, uh, brother of Roger de Vlaminck who was in the, in the Merckx era, you know, his brother, Roger de Vlaminck is the record holder of the amount of wins in Paris-Doubaix four times together with Tom Bonen. His brother won four times, Paris-Roubaix, was, was an amazing cyclist, uh Roger. Eric also, he passed away, sadly, uh, a few years ago. Um For many years, he was the the coach of the Belgian cyclocross selection, the, the cyclocross team. Um But yeah, I mean, it's, for Van der Poel, it's not a question if he can beat it. It's a question, okay, well, does he want to beat it? I mean, at this point, I think uh, he's won seven. Um, He is now 29 years old, I guess. Um, Even if he skips a few years, if he decides he's going to go for it, he's going to get it. Uh, Of course, it it would also depend on Walt Van Aert, uh, if Van Aert uh, does the world championships or not. But I, I mean, sadly for cyclocross, I think we're going to see a tendency that these guys are going to do less and less cyclocross races because the road season is is so much more important uh they make they make a lot of money on the road um they get they make good money on the in the sack cross season also but compared to what they make on the road it you know it's not it's not balanced so it's just going to depend on him but yeah seven victories seven times world champion which is which is incredible really to think about it you know what I mean it's being seven times in your career the best of the world it's it's amazing um, for for Matthew. I think it's just a matter of whether he wants to go for it or not.
2: I think Eric won that in in an eight year spread, <laughs> which is pretty incredible. I think he won seven out of eight world titles. You know, I was wondering about Vanderpool. Like, how, I I do I do think he's going for the seven. You start to wonder the wisdom of that. I mean, sh- should you just because you can? Should you? Could he just? I felt like he could have showed up to this race and won this race without having done any other cyclocross races throughout the year. Maybe that's not true, but do you know, is there a start line implication in that? Like if you don't race enough, are you buried a few rows back or it's in I mean, He was on the first,
0: he was on the first line yeah. today. So yeah. um, if you look at the UCI ranking, uh, he's not, he's not first. So I don't exactly know how it goes, but, I mean, listen, I mean, it would actually be good if he has to start from fourth or fifth row for the suspense of the race. <laughs> yeah. True.
1: I
2: Watch him reel everybody a in. World champion, you get to start on the front. But, you know, I heard a theory on on the cycling podcast earlier this week. They had a cyclocross specialist on him. I forget his name. I apologize. But his theory was Vanderpoel is going to retire, like short-term retirement from cyclocross, try to come back later in his career. It'd win the seventh. The only thing about that is like we saw Stebar today. Stebar used to be Vanderpool. He was Vanderpool before Vanderpool. He was like this prodigy coming up, winning world titles. Kind of feels like once you step out of that world, and obviously Vanderpool such a good writer, just better than Stebar. Maybe he could get away with it. It does seem like once you take your foot off the treadmill, so to speak, it's hard to jump back on. You know, just yeah. the explosiveness is so high.
0: I think so. I think so. But again, Spencer, I don't think really, I don't, I don't really think that Vanderpool will lose a minute of sleep, whether he wins six or seven. Yeah. You know, uh, he's, he's going to be remembered as an, as an incredible, incredible cyclist. Uh, but, uh, coming back on, on Eric de Vlaming, by the way, he's, he was known and is still considered to be the, how, he would, how would I call it? The, the, the biggest acrobat on a, on a bike. Um, it was amazing what he could do on a, on a bicycle. Uh, let's, you know, back then, you know, the bikes had no disc brakes. They didn't have the same, uh, the same tires. It was, uh, toe clips, you know, um, and it was, he was, he was very famous for doing stuff on a bike, which you could not imagine.
2: And before we move on from this race, I don't think we've mentioned him. My, the third place, Michael van Turnhout. Uh, really good, really good race to finish third stopped like the dreaded Dutch sweep of the podium that I'm sure like would have there would have been a special session of the Belgian Congress had that happened. <laughs> <laughs> I out what's going on there, but a bad start. He gets stuck behind Lars Vanderhaar, who slips a pedal at the, at the beginning of the race. Kind of the opposite of what I described, where his teammate tried to follow Vanderpool and just race head up against him, paced the race perfectly. Tied mm-hmm. Vanderpool for the fastest time out on course mid race, which is really impressive. I would have liked to see him maybe get a little bit better start. That's the one rider I thought could challenge Vanderpool, but really good race from him. I mean, yeah. caps off a great season.
0: Yeah. You know, he's a typical, uh, he's very, very famous for peaking towards championships. Um, you know, he was Belgian champion last year, uh, European champion last year, this year, again, European champion didn't have a great season, but, you know, at the important events, he was there. And today, again, you know, I mean, luckily, luckily uh, for, for you know, he has he has this medal because, you know, I mean, it looks like the tendency is going towards, you know, the Netherlands. Uh, it, the Belgians, we've always dominated, but right now it's, there's no way um, to, you know, to beat Van der Poel. The second guy, I mean, Joris Nieuwenhaas, I, I think we should, we should talk a little bit about him. He... <clears throat> He's not a young guy anymore, uh, but he um, he started in Robobank development team. Then he went to Sunweb and tried a, a road career uh, on Sunweb and DSM. And then um, I don't exactly know the reason. I think I've heard somewhere that today that he, ha- he went to a very difficult time personally. I don't know exactly what it was, but all of a sudden he quit DSM uh, in the middle of the year, and signed on for the Trek-Baloise uh, Cyclocross uh, team, and since then he's been, you know, very consistent. and And this year he's won already uh, a few, a few important races. His Dutch champion also won that by miles, uh, which it's not. It's also not an easy race to win the Dutch no, Championship no. Cyclocross. Um, so yeah hats off to him amazing race and you know at the beginning the first two laps he was there five seconds 10 seconds and it looked like Vanderpool was not able to distance him you know I watched the race on on Belgian TV um and uh they were they were speculating that you know Vanderpool didn't have a great day the first two the first two laps because he couldn't distance Niemenhaus enough you know turned out that that was not the case but at least the first two laps there was some hope that we could see
1: a, a real race. Before we wrap up this men's, you did touch on Stebar for a second, but I think it's worth coming back to that because he got a big send off. And again, like I said, a, a lot of us are, are newer to following cyclocross, so uh, that seemed like an emotional moment. Can you elaborate a little bit more on what her, his career has has meant?
0: Yeah, Stebar has been a big champion. You know, he's been he's he's been three times world champion. Then uh, I actually started as a real cyclocross guy, then switched a little bit to the road, went on, went, went to, to Quickstep, uh, won big races. Um, you know, he won stages in the Tour. I think he won a stage in the Vuelta. Um, he was up there in in Flanders and Paris roubaix Even Strade Bianca. I, I would want to say Strade Bianca, but I'm not sure.
2: I think, he- yes. I think I'm a bit of a Stebar hot. Following Stebar's results on the road are kind of it's my uh side hobby. <laughs> I kind of always thought he was gonna be a big start because he came for he was like Vanderpool. He came from cross and it was like, Well, wait till you see this guy on the road. Remember, he wins a Neko tour in 2013 and it's like, yeah, it's starting. And then he had that Roubaix. Do you remember this, Johan, where he gets knocked off his bike when he's in yeah. the lead group? It doesn't yeah, seem yeah. like he was ever quite the same after that. And he did win Strata, by the way, in 2015. Okay. Like,
0: Yeah. I mean, he, he, uh, of course he's at the end of his career. He was at the end of his career. He's getting older. He had, uh, he had physical problems. Um, one year ago, actually he had a, uh, heart surgery. Um, so, you know, to be able to still race and come back and, and, and put up this whole show because, you know, he was, he's without a team since December 31st, he was on, on Jayco Alula last year. Uh, and he set up this one man team specific, you know, uh, specific expedition for, for this world championships. But, you know, I think the way he got sent off today, didn't, was not a factor in the race, of course, but I think it's nice. He was, he was quite emotional. Um, he's very popular in Belgium. Actually, uh, he's married to a Belgian woman speaks perfectly Flemish. Um, and, uh, you know, his interviews are in, 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 on Belgian TV are
1: great. So, uh, big respect for him and, and, you know, congratulations on his career. I love asking Johan about his cycling career, you know, as a racer. Uh, of course we talk a lot about it as a director, but did you get that, um, that emotional send off as a last like this is my last race because that doesn't always happen for writers sometimes no. it's like i raced and then i didn't get a new contract right and you know i come from radio That's you don't usually go out kicking and screaming it's usually not pretty <laughs> like that so <laughs> did, what was your last race like did, yeah. did you not know
0: yeah i mean i had it, it was in 98 um it was i think in august of 98 um, no send off. I just, you know, I, because I, I had, I did decide already that it was going to be my last year, but I was, you know, planning on finishing the season. Uh, but then, you know, in August I did a race, uh, actually here in, in Madrid. And I, I and, and I, I remember I, I got dropped, uh, on a climb, which now I do sometimes, uh, with the mountain bike, I can see it from my backyard, actually, this climb where I finished my career. It's called Navaserada which is a famous climb in the tour of spain um and so yeah that day i just you know I, I i was dropped i saw the car the team car there because it was a feed zone i i you know pulled on the side i put my car my, my bike in the car i gave my number to the to the Year, and i said okay this is the last one i'm never putting a number on my back again you just knew right then and that Next was time. it I've never never raced again so i mean i i felt like at that moment it was the
1: right thing to do and and i don't regret it yeah, yeah. Well, it couldn't, then, then you he, jumped right into being a director. Yeah, so we we it's know like, how that worked out. It took a whole month off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we get into the the women's uh, cycle cross world championships, I want to tell you about a, a few of our other partners that we really appreciate. They help us uh, uh, pull us all together. Our team just keeps growing and growing. You should have seen the office last week. Um, anyway, uh, to start taking care of your health, and it, it's just never been so easy with ag1 you know it's become such a household name when we first started talking about it we were like athletic greens right because we need felt like we needed to describe what it was now yeah, you can just say ag1 everyone knows what you're talking about it's part of my routine every day for the last couple of years easy to scoop in blends up just by shaking the bottle you don't even have to get out a blender or anything tastes great and it gets you all those vitamins minerals pre and probiotics uh, and all into you every single day and it's a powerful healthy habit. That's also powerfully simple. So, uh, uh, get your, uh, try AG one to get your free one year supply. of also they'll throw this in vitamin D three and K two and five free AG one travel packs. So I get, I have a canister in my kitchen where I, they just send me the big packs. I put, I keep reusing that, but when I'm on the road, the travel packs are great. You're going to absolutely love it. So check it out. Drink AG one.com slash the move. That's drink AG one.com slash the move. Check it out. Uh, part of my also part of my daily routine and pretty much everyone. I think everyone on the we do team has started doing uh, ketones IQ from HVMN. Uh, it's like, I mean, it's, it's part of my daily, daily routine. And I actually, I've been saying this for some time, how it's helped me with mental clarity, awareness, all that stuff. And I actually heard a uh, a doctor talking about that on the radio um, earlier this week. She was talking about how when the brain is getting ketones in ketosis, they have seen a huge decrease in even bipolar and depression. All right. So it's not just uh, it's not just the physical side, it's the mental side, too. My recommendation is just do a subscription, try it for several months. I pretty much vouch for it. You will feel a difference 30% off your first subscription at Ketone IQ at hvmn.com slash the move. Again, visit hvmn.com the move and subscribe upon checkout for 30% off. And last but not least, and I I have a confession here, I have not hooked mine up, but we are now partners with Tushy. (laughs) (laughs) Have you, like, so. We, we talked about it like for the first time on the last show. And of course, Johan's like, hey, Europeans have been using bidets for forever. That's like a standard. That's normal. Well, in America, not so much. This is a newer thing. Uh, and so rather than replacing the entire toilet in your bathroom, you can buy this attachment from Tushy. Attach it to your waterline. Boom. Works like a champ. I'm going to get mine set up this week. Why not be more hygienic? Uh, it's better for the environment. There's a lot of different reasons to do it. Uh, So for limited time, our listeners will get 10% off their entire order at HelloTushy.com. Go to HelloTushy.com and use the code WEDO for 10% off. All right, now uh, we're going to get into the women's. But one thing I, I know you wanted to also talk about in general with this World Championships is how big the crowds were not being in Belgium or places that are used to hosting cycle cross race. Can you elaborate on that? Because that's a that's a big deal, and Stebar too got that big send off probably for that reason too. It was a home crowd for him. Yeah, it was it was a home, it's
0: a home race for him. He's uh, he lives close to Tabor, but you know, Czech Republic cyclocross historically has been popular in the Czech Republic. Uh, they've produced some world champions, um, but you know, not to the extent of. Holland and Belgium. So, you know, it was nice to see um a big crowd in in a country that that that's not Holland and, and Belgium uh for the world championships. Of course, the world championships it's it's a special event. I would I would dare to say probably that probably a third to half of the people that were on the course were probably not Czechs, uh probably Belgians or, or, or Dutch. Uh, because you know it's so popular, it's such a religion that actually people make those trips, uh, even if it's you know even even if it's a thousand or two thousand kilometers away. Uh, but yeah, I mean huge crowds. I mean and not just with the pros, you know, with uh, with the women. Uh, yesterday the um, the junior races. I saw I saw a lot of people. You know, I, I agree. Probably the. The send-off of Stebar probably has to do something because he is very popular in in his country. But uh, but yeah, I mean, great organization. You know, the the thing with Tabor is Tabor is 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 a, is a classic in the in the cyclocross season because it's always been a World Cup event. Uh, so you know they've been going there since twenty or thirty years. Their, the race has been on the calendar so. Uh, it, I think I think that's also uh, one of the reasons why there were so many people.
2: Did you notice there's a Czech writer in seventh, Michael Boros? So, I mean, clearly the Stibar effect has trickled down, and that I mean, it might not sound that impressive to like just a random if you're just listening to like seventh, that's not good, but to to just be in the top ten and not be Dutch. In Belgium is really hard. Like <laughs> right. it doesn't but happen they, that often.
0: They did get two medals. They got they got a second place uh in the under twenty-three women, and they got a third place uh in the juniors, I think. Under under twenty uh the junior men. So you yeah, know, two medals for Czech Republic. Uh it's not bad.
1: It's you know, it's almost equal with Belgium, so pretty good. I have a couple of theories of why cycle cross is on the rise. One streaming we can watch these races, yeah, which we couldn't, not very long ago. We did not see these. We just read about them. The other one is people who don't feel comfortable on the road. You know, you get up, you don't want to put, you just put your kid, like you, I'm sure you can relate to this, Johan. You just don't want to throw them out on the road any more than possible. If you have this option and passion for riding off-road, whether it's mountain bike or cross or gravel. Yeah,
0: probably, probably. I mean, today, look today, for example, I, I, was out on a mountain bike ride with some friends this morning and we, we came across uh, a gravel event here in, in around Madrid. It was the the Spanish cup, the first, the first race of the Spanish cup. And, um, you know, still, I think gravel and cyclocross, it's a different, it's a different discipline uh, because cyclocross is, is very specific, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, uh, we all want our kids to be safe and, you know, this, when, when they start, it's better to be, on the uh, out in the fields than on the roads for sure so
1: it good to have something to do with it like spencer do you feel like it's uh, you're you're in cycling mecca of america boulder is it on the rise there it
2: definitely i feel like in you know maybe 10 years ago for for adults it was much bigger you know it was kind of like the that was like the cyclocross boom jeremy powers like those races at valmont were massive But for kids, I mean, I feel like it's huge now. Mm. You know, you see, like you go out to these parks in Boulder and just like in the fall, there's just like armies of children at cyclocross practice, basically. Um, So it's definitely very popular with kids. There's actually, I think, the top American in the race today, Eric Brunner, is from Boulder. He finished 30, 26. 26. So, yeah, it's, and I have a child as well, so it's, Definitely appealing to think about just putting them in a park and having them ride around. It's good for skill building too. Like if you want to be a really good road racer, uh, as Vanderpool's showing, cyclocross is a good place to start.
0: I agree. I agree. It's a great. It's a great start. I mean, it's and, and you know, it has changed so much. You know, um, they, today they were they were interviewed on Belgian TV again. You know, they have it. it it's such a special race that they have the the pre show. And they have then the like 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 at the tour, you know, like velo club, or they have something like that, like a discussion going on. And there were two uh, ex world champions uh, as their as a guest, a Dutch guy and, and and a Belgian guy, and they said, you know, how much it has changed since they were racing, uh, because one of them was world champion juniors in '98. Uh, a guy called Richard Grunendahl, um, who was, um, you know, Dutch Dutch guy. And then another guy, Niels Albert, who was uh, world champion juniors in, you know, early 2000s. And back then he said, you know, we were just cyclocross guys. Uh, we didn't even get the chance to try it on the road. Now, since it's proven that cyclocross is such a great start. I mean, everybody wants to be Walt Van Aert and Matthew van der Poel. What, how did they start? They started, they started as cyclocross Rider. So, uh, it's, it's, it's a good start. I mean, it's, it's a good way of trying, you know, if you can, if you can be any good at this.
2: And it's so much easier, like gravels probably pulled some, um, like middle-aged people away from cyclocross. Like today in Boulder, there's this big gravel race, but we got a foot of snow yesterday. Like, I'm not going to go to my son and say like, you want to go do a hundred mile <laughs> gravel race in the snow. He's probably gonna say that doesn't sound that fun, but cross is a much easier sell to a child than uh than a miserable gravel race (laughs)
1: all right let's jump into the women's well this time we'll let you lead off uh spencer not that much of a different story than what we saw in the men's no it's kind of a a
2: similar thing actually hold on i'm pulling up the results so finn van empel is that how we say her name johan am i saying that right yeah. Yeah. yeah just Wins dominant, dominant race finishes off. It's a Matthew Vanderpool esque season, probably more impressive because she did more races, won all but two races. So you kind of saw this coming on Visma. So obviously a really good team. Dutch, we had a Dutch sweep of the top four. Um, so it's even more concentrated than in the men's race. Um, what, like, it, what, um, I'm curious, Johan, to get your take on. So she wins last year. She wins this year. So second straight world title. I maybe deluded myself mid-season into thinking like, oh, this could be this could be a fight for the world title with the women because you had a lot of good. There was two races. There was a World Cup at Hulst, where Puck Puck, Puck Peterson, Peterson. Yeah, Peter- yeah. wins, and then you had another one where the World Cup Gavernet Gavernet where Puck Puck wins as well. Yeah, and then I thought. Uh, Alvarado Carmen Alvarado looked really really good about mid season, and then mm. it was just it was similar to my delusion on the mint side, where it's just like no, there's actually absolutely no question about who's the best racer here.
0: Yeah, it's the same, you know. Uh, uh, Femme Van Ampel is. Uh, they also predict a huge future on the road. She just, you know, she just hasn't tried hard enough yet. But already last year she she did the Tour de l'Avenir. Let's not. She's still very young. So she's only uh, twenty one years old. Mm. So, you know, she's normally still under 23. So is Park Peterson, by the way. Um, And so uh, she won a stage in the Tour de l'Avenir, has almost no road race experience yet. But, um, you know, somebody who has that kind of power, she must be a a great great road racer uh, in the future. And um, I I think the same is going to happen with her. You know, she's at some point, she's going to get bored and tired of winning and not being challenged enough and um so yeah i mean um Femme van Empel the dominant the dominant figure and um and Puck Pieterse, puck i think puck Pieterse in terms of talent and uh quality she's up there with theva van empel uh she started the season later uh and then um but she got sick and injured uh in the last the last few races. So um I think that's one of the reasons. But um, Puck Peterson is known to be the most skillful and technical rider in, in women's cyclocross. And Lucinda Brandt is, you know, she's in a, an established uh value, um, also a great rider on rider on the road. Puck Peterson, by the way, is is amazing in, in mountain bike
2: also. She I think yeah, she won yeah. the under 23. World Cup mountain bike. Yeah, she's like, I mean, that's probably why she's the best technical <laughs> rider in cyclocross. She's a great mountain biker. Yeah. Um, what is this? I mean, I, I, I kind of hate questions like, is this good? Is this good for cyclocross that we have such dominant riders who are probably going to leave? Cause it just, it is what it is. It doesn't matter if it's good or not. It's probably just good that we do have dominant riders winning. They're fun to watch. It's, it's kind of mesmerizing actually how, much better they are than the other riders and how much they can make a really difficult thing look easy. But what happens in four or five years when Vanderpool's on the road full time, let's say Van Emble's on the road full time, like what is the, sh- what's the shape of the cyclocross scene then? Like, does it just kind of revert back to the mean where you have specialists winning all the time and we kind of forget this ever happened?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's I mean, by then probably Spencer, another phenomenon will have risen you know, yeah, to, to yeah. It, it goes so fast nowadays that these young kids are coming all of a sudden and uh, they, they're there to dominate. But, you know, now, um, let's say it, there's a huge difference with or without. Van der Poel and Van Aert and Pitcock—it's—it's uh, it's, you know in the, let's just taking away the, the the world championships, but all the other races—it's—it's it's day and night difference in terms of spectators and uh, and TV coverage. So, I mean, let's just hope that at least they they show up a few times. You know, I mean, we, we would have to hope that.
2: And does this mean anything? Tell me if this means anything. The men's junior race won by an Italian, second place is a Dutch rider, third place is a Czech rider. There's no Belgians in the top 10 and it's a lot think, more diverse from at least from a point of the
1: country's right. You're trying to get now. under Johan's skin here. Well, I'm just, I see what you're doing.
2: Is this an opening up we're seeing or, or does it just by the time they get to the senior level, it's just back to Belgian and Dutch writers.
0: I don't know. I mean, it's not, it's not good for Belgium that there's nobody up there in the top in the juniors. Um, same thing goes for the, for the women's uh for the women you know that i don't think there's anybody in the, in the women also um that that is up there uh at least not in the juniors and the under 23 so so yeah i mean it's uh, I, I think the future looks orange the future of cyclocross looks orange
2: a little bit french the french are better the french, than, I'm, than i agree you. i
0: agree the french i have to say the french you know one of uh, I watched I I, I saw uh, I saw a little news and I said I have to I have to go watch this so the junior uh the junior world championships uh man was 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 heartbreaking for the French guy um he was in the lead um and he was together with the Italian guy who won and just after they passed the the the, the mechanical area he has a puncture and uh, it was the last lap. So he had five minutes to the next to the next uh, technical zone. Um, you know he would have been first or second. He finished fourth finally. Um, but yeah, I mean, the
2: French have the French have a few uh, young guys who are who are really, really good. and they won the mixed team relay, which is kind of an unusual event where you you can what what do you say it was one from each. So it's a man and woman from. The elite level, the under twenty three level, the junior level, yeah. and you can race them in whatever order you want to race them, which is a yeah. pretty interesting format. Um, like you were saying, the British, the British team, the UK team had Zoe Backstead go first. Most teams had their elite men go first, so they're kind of like purposely seeding time, but they just hope you just hope Zoe can hold on as well as yeah. she can, and then you make up time later.
0: Well, I think it made, I mean, it's, it's an interesting event. I mean, I I still haven't, I still haven't, you know, got my head around it if it really makes sense because, you know, it's a world championships, but then, you know, everybody gets a world championships Jersey, but they can never wear it. Right. They're never going to wear the Jersey um, because there are no more events like this. So, um, but yeah, there was 10 countries. uh, The Netherlands decided not to participate, which, you know, was great for the race. and I think the thinking behind the... the uh, It was quite smart, actually, because Zoe Backstatt is very strong. She's shown, you know, in, in the under-23 race that she was head and shoulders above everybody else. So instead of having her ride with her peers, she would be the one that needs to make the difference. Now she was chasing men. And so she had to... I think the difference there... She, she, because at the end of the day, if it's six riders... At the end, it, it basically comes down on six times the time of the, 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 because they go one lap full out, right? So let's say if it's ten minutes per lap, uh, the, the 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 elite guys do nine minutes, the juniors do eleven minutes. It's basically how fast everybody can go. So if you can have one of those female riders with the men, she will go faster than if she has to go on her own uh, without, without anybody uh, in front of her. So. Uh, it was it was the, after one lap. the Great Britain was forty five seconds down, and they finally uh, were sprinting for the victory after six riders. So I think
2: it was a smart move. And they lost because Cameron Mason, great guy, great, great, uh, young Scottish rider, got beat by a French junior. Is that right?
0: Yeah, the uh, guy, the guy I just said who, who had the flat tire, who uh, apparently is very good. I mean, he was amazing. The the French rider uh, in the, in that, in that relay. So, so yeah, they came to the finish and, um, and finally the, the, the junior beat, uh, Cameron Mason in, in the sprint. Um, so, you know, these young guys, man, they're 17 years old and they are on an unbelievable level. I mean, you could see that the pros were actually not able to take that much time out of the juniors, whatever
2: they were like mixed up. His name is Aubin, Alban Sparfell. We should remember that. We'll probably hear from him again. I've been I've been kind of noticing this just generally racing in the last five weeks across road and cyclocross. Not a ton of delta between really, really young, talented riders and veterans. I mean, you have like some like I don't know if you saw like the Alulu tour yesterday where um like William William LeClef. is that his name? He's a Dolphin rider. Le Serre. Exactly, that's exactly how I said it. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, he was like, his VAM numbers on that climb, it's only at a, like an 11 minute climb. It's like world class numbers yeah. he's putting out in February at 21 yeah. years old.
0: But he was up there with, with Simon Yates and with, uh, with Rafael Micah. I mean, those guys are top timers in the yeah. tour. Yeah.
1: yeah uh, so, any other loose ends, guys? Before I, I do have a couple things on the horizon for we do and the uh, the move uh, that I'll share with you but I just don't want to cut you off if you had any other magic from your observations.
0: Yeah, I have one name uh I want to talk about it's uh, the the guy who won the 123 World Championships, a Dutch guy, uh Tibor Del Grosso. Um he's already raced quite a few races uh in in the on the elite level. Uh, he's also part of the same team uh, as Mathieu van der Poel, Alpesin. Um, but amazing rider. Uh, there's this, I don't know, there's something, there's something about his pedaling style that, that, that tells me this is going to be a special guy. Um, I was actually, you know, communicating a little bit with, uh, with uh, one of the, one of the guys of, of Alpesin from the management. And I said, you know, this guy, it's like he pedals through the mud. He doesn't pushes through the mud. He pedals through the mud like smoothly, you know, instead of mashing. Everyone exactly. tends to mash in the mud. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And uh then then he told me that uh this guy has amazing amazing power output and that uh he he thinks he will be really good on the road also. So Tibor Del Grosso, Italian sounding name but the guy's Dutch. Um yeah, really loved that that guy uh, and see see how he dominated the, the race.
2: My uh, yeah. my loose end is, I should have said this up top. If you're if you're listening to this and thinking that all sounds great, how the heck do I watch this since there's no GCN anymore? Flow bikes is your friend. If you live in the U.S. or at least in North America, if you live in Canada, United States, Flow bikes is your friend. If you live in Europe, you have no worries. You have Discovery Plus, Sport, It's easy over there. Over here, FlowBikes has picked up a lot of the coverage. Technically, it's supposed to be on a, some Max is supposed to be rolling out something to replace GCN. They've been pretty bad. I think their communications, internal communications, are that they're shooting for mid-February to have like a viable product. But in the meantime, you can just use a VPN from Canada, uh, fire up FlowBikes, and you can watch like almost the entire calendar. So um, that that's the place to be if you really want to watch races right now i'm glad you brought that up we, we
1: have been getting a lot of messages about that People are like, what do i do what you begin to yeah yeah um okay well cool here's what's on the horizon for we do that might interest you a couple of things um perry roubaix a, a dream vacation just sporting event to see for pretty much everyone that loves cycling right We put together a travel package. You can go join Johan. He'll be your director as if you're a a, a teammate, you know, on his team guiding you through through that event. George will be there and you have a special guest as well. Three-time winner, uh, the Lion of Flanders,
0: as they call him, Johan Museu, will be joining us uh, the three days. So, you know, he will share all the time with us. He will give tips ride the gran fondo with the, with the we do team and then uh, be with our with, with all of our guests the day of the race where we have the vip experience from start to finish so
1: this year we send a car for him yeah sorry we send a car for him or we pick him up <laughs> we we're going to pick him up, we're gonna pick him up. <laughs> yeah but what an experience i mean wow it's I'm something
0: nice. that i it's it's something i really recommend uh because you know it's it's a mix of you know riding the race yourself uh then seeing the guys do it the day after and and then in, in the in the meantime you know we uh, we give all the information we share lots of stories, lots of laughs uh good food and good wine. so it's the whole package. I definitely recommend it. it's on our website we do. in the travel section. Very cool. You can
1: send an inquiry there if you're interested.
0: There are, okay. oh, By the way, by the way, uh, JB, there are only three
1: spots left. Three remaining okay. spots. That's it. Experience of a lifetime. Check it out. We do dot team slash travel. And also you were just talking about this, this Italian kid who won the, the, the juniors, another name. It goes into the up-and-comers. We just did the up-and-comers show. That is worth checking out if you haven't listened to it. It it, it makes your whole experience of watching racing so much better when you're familiar with more names. Uh, so our annual show, Up-and-comers, where Johan gives us all those names to to watch for.
0: I have to uh, say, sorry to interrupt, JB. You know, I mean, unfortunately, we were limited on time. You know, I was, I was only beginning, beginning. No, we weren't. You and I weren't. I know, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> I <know. laughs> uh, so I only could give eight names, but there's at least two or three more. Actually, Spencer and I talked about one of them. Uh, I didn't have the time to talk about him, but you know, it, he won the, he won a race the day after. Axel the next Ross. Day,
2: yeah. We talked on Monday. Axel Ross, and he also ah.
0: On yeah. opposite. Uh, I had him on my list, but I didn't, I didn't uh, get the time to talk about him. But, uh, but yeah, the up and comer show uh, is is very interesting for people who want to yeah.
1: learn about new names uh, to watch for the future. And then the move is back tomorrow for the season preview. This is where we're mostly going to look at the spring, the spring efforts. So looking forward yeah. to that. I hope, I hope you've done the research. Johan, I know you yeah, always I'm, do. Yeah, I've, I've had I've, I've, I've had <laughs> So we're going to be back very, very quickly. Uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We appreciate it. I know there's a lot of places to get your news and information about bike racing. Uh, we really appreciate you uh, uh, tuning in. Take time to to like it, share it, subscribe, pass it on to your friends. If they th- you think they'll enjoy any of these stories, send the link to them, and we would greatly appreciate that. I always appreciate you guys, Johan, Spencer, you do such a great job. Uh, of going so deep on stuff we're all learning from it so thank you and uh, we'll all talk soon okay thanks thanks for having us jb